for today. Friday, and we are with the MedCityMovieGuy.com, Chris McSannick. Hey, good morning, Chris. Hey there. How's it going? Good, good. Good to talk to you again. Yes. I've actually checked out a couple films over the past few weeks. So you, offline, you talked a little about a coda, which was, uh, oh, yeah. did, did very well at the awards last year. Um, if you want to mention that real quick. I will highly recommend you see this film. Mm -hmm. uh, this one will, in my top 20, I think, if I was to make a list. It's, it's one that sticks with you. That's usually one of my main, uh, I don't know, qualifiers. I think about the film in the days afterwards. There's some brilliant performances in it. The storyline, I didn't expect it to be what it was. I I had an impression it was something else. And so I, I guess that made it even more enjoyable. And uh, it's really, really funny. It's hilarious. Um, the people who... The, let's put it this way. I want to learn American Sign Language after yeah. watching this film. I really do. Because it... Uh, it there were some brilliant performances, nonverbal performances. You have to have subtitles, of course, but um, the one Academy Award, I think, supporting actor. I wish I could remember his name. He's the father of the clan. Oh, my gosh, does he put in a performance? But I think there were several other performances that probably deserved honors as well within that program, that show. But at the, the Best Picture Award, I think it easily deserved so. But unfortunately, I think on streaming, you have to have the Apple TV. Yeah, I have not seen it in the general stream, uh, to uh, to make a little pun there. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I saw it show up on Redbox yet. So um, that's that makes it difficult for a lot of people. It um, does. And it's yeah. too bad because it should have a, white, a lot wider audience. And I think that... Um, we, we can probably talk about this topic now, but I think that that's one of the things that some of these subscription services are are doing um, is to bulk up some of their content, make it only available on their platform uh, to to generate additional subscriptions as opposed to just get it get a pay per view type thing or, right. or on DVD. So um, one one of the interesting things that I I wanted to talk about was uh, the the um, the uh, what what I guess I'll call it the unreleased films, uh, Batgirl, for example. Um, this is an interesting one. Yes. So I'm, I'm not sure if, uh, if a lot of people know this, but um, the Batgirl is a DC film, and for some reason it was in post production, just about ready to ship to theaters or whatnot, and they just they just canceled it. They just ninety decided, million dollars in. Ninety million dollars in, um, and. Nobody really knows why. It's like, are you kidding me? You'd rather just write <laughs> off the ninety million. Um, so I was, I was trying to trying to get down to the brass tacks, I guess, of it. And uh, thing is, it's not even going to stream. It's not even going to the platforms. And and the and the interesting thing there is, when you look at a film's budget and then the cost of it getting into a theater in terms of the promotion, right? Um, the distribution and promotion, sometimes they say is about the same as the cost of production. So a 90 million oh, wow. film could cost another 90 million when you start thinking about the TV commercials and all of the cost involved in the, uh, the promotion distribution. They spend a lot of money to put these things uh, in the theater. 
And so what what they said, apparently what they said, and this is why I wanted to piggyback off of what you were talking about with Apple TV. Um, The best I could tell was, you know, they were saying things like, well, in retrospect, it's not up to our standards or whatnot. But 90 million is is a big write off. But what they said was it was intended to be released on HBO Max. Okay, so the the intent there was to release on HBO Max to force more subscriptions. This is the only place you're going to see it on HBO Max. And for some reason, they they bailed on that idea. I think what they said was they didn't think it was going to generate as many subscriptions. They didn't want to invest in the additional cost to get it in the theater. So what they landed up doing was taking the tax hit or the tax benefit of a write-off, which they thought would at least recover some of the funds because they didn't want to invest to get in theater. They didn't think it was going to generate additional or a significant amount of additional subscriptions. So they took the write-off, which is kind of interesting because once you take the write-off, now you'll never be able to release it, right? Because right, you, it's a loss. You, you just said this is a total loss. So it's not like you, it'll, you'll, we'll ever see the We'll ever see this one. And I thought, well, how many films really were in the same category? And um, I've only come up with two others. I mean, there's some legendary things about Lost this or that. But in terms of people just totally giving up on it, um, famously, a couple of years ago, there was a movie called I Love You, Daddy by a comedian, Louis C.K. You might have heard oh, of Oh, yeah. yeah. He went through his controversy. And so he got canceled and then they just yanked it. So I, I thought maybe they would delay it until, right, the, the, the storm calmed down. <laughs> but here it is uh, five years later and we've still never seen it. I mean, I have a screener of it, but it has never been released. So they yanked it. That's a pretty dramatic thing to do when you think about the cost involved in it. The other one, the other one is this very famous Jerry Lewis movie. It's supposedly one of the worst films by <laughs> the few people who've seen it or seen clips of it. It's called The Day the Clown Cried. Um, so what is Never. this one about? Well, this is about Jerry Lewis. This is a very dark film. Jerry Lewis is in a, um, uh, a basically a concentration camp and he dresses as a clown and, you know, hopefully keep the keep the kids entertained or lead them to uh lead them to their unfortunate demise and things like that. And I don't know what possessed people to green light this one, at least in 1972 and with Jerry Lewis. I'm not sure what he was thinking, um, but there was, um, we talked about this other movie, uh, Beautiful Life, that uh, I think was uh, uh, acknowledged by the awards people. Uh, and it was, a, it was a very fun, charming intense movie that was brilliantly done a few years ago. And uh, so the topic was not necessarily taboo, but Jerry Lewis film never saw the light of day. Now, Jerry Lewis himself uh, said he doesn't ever want it to be released. Hmm. He donated it to the Library of Congress um, and saying that it cannot be screened. I guess maybe he said 25 years, whatever the number was. But the it cannot be screened before June 2024. So now this is only two years away from now. So what we have is years ago, it was just a legend that this was like supposed to be this terrible movie Jerry Lewis made, never wanted to be seen. Uh, did it exist? It's just a legend. And it now that it's been donated to Library of Congress and then as a stipulation, it, it actually might see the light of day someday. I don't know. Um, it might not be as bad as everybody thinks. I, I don't 
don't know. It's an interesting concept, but uh, it is. So this one, this transcends the cutting room floor. Cutting room floor is a famous uh, quip that people use when there's like a scene that was done and didn't make into the final film. Here's the case of the final film not making it to the public. So, but in the case of the Batwoman movie, it everything the studios are saying signals that it's a piece of garbage. That it's just a bad movie, and that makes it even more. I don't know. Interesting to me, and I, I I would like to see it to judge for myself just how bad it could be. I mean, well, it's a it's a superhero film. How can you mess that up? Well, and how could it have got this far uh, with everybody thinking it? There are certainly movies that turned out really bad, um, but this is one where they ostensibly said. It, it's not up to standards, whatever that means. That just sounds kind of nebulous to me. I, I just think it's it's interesting um, how it transpired. But uh, yeah, well, you know, yeah. what, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Um, we may find out someday. Well, why don't we take a break here? Okay. If we're going to shift gears. So we'll do that. We'll come back in just a few minutes and we'll talk with the MedCityMovieGuy.com some more on Rochester Today. It's Chris McSannick here at News Talk 1340. K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM. Keep your car clean and kids fed with the holiday car. It's here on Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM. That woman discussion we just had before the commercial break, Chris. Another aspect of this that amazes me is that there have been films that have been touted as great films that when they got out and people saw them, the public... Pretty quickly realized they were horrible films. Sure, I mean the, and they the, collapsed. Yeah, yeah, and then there's been other films that you know the producers just put out there and never thought they'd get any traction, and they become cult favorites. So there's no right. accounting for for taste, and nobody can really force that on you. So yeah, so I don't know. You know, we talked uh, offline just a little bit about you know Halle Berry and uh, Catwoman. There's been a few attempts, and some things just you know maybe they look better on paper, or maybe there was a you know, an effort to, to promote a particular narrative. And in reality, once you got out of the Hollywood bubble, you know, the rest of the country uh, just wasn't as, as impressed with it. So, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? That's, a, that's just an interesting topic. A couple things, though, that I think should interest films that should be interesting instead of just a topic. Uh, a couple things that are out now I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is the uh, Brad Pitt film called Bullet Train that opened a couple weeks ago. Um, this is one of those big budget films. I think in uh, it, it, it's welcome for that reason. You know, we're still sort of just post COVID, um, not that long. So there's a few things that were in the pipeline that that are out. You know, the, the uh, Maverick and and James Bond, and uh, now we're at the other end of it where uh, these are newer films uh, that are big budget films. Now I'm not sure if you had a chance to uh, hear much about this or see the film, but I saw the the trailers for. Yeah, it's a huge sort of action, nonstop sort of lot of twist uh, that take place on a on a bullet train from Tokyo to I think it was Kyoto, and uh, just you know the the what's going on you know with the train kind of thing. Um, so first of all, it's not it's not even correct to say it's a Brad Pitt film. I mean he's in it, but it's really more of a uh, ensemble cast. So uh, there's a lot of action, and uh, let me let me just say I uh, I think. I think their idea here was because it's a big budget film, they're going to front load it with everything they've got. 
So there's cameos in here. There's a few big names in here. There's a tremendous amount of action going on. In fact, what I was saying was that sometimes I think there might be too much to unpack in real time. You know, it's like, hey, wait, what's what's going? Wait, now what's going on? You know, you, you start saying that a lot. I think you're you're pivoting to try and figure out even what's going on, and it's a decent plot that comes together at the end. There's been actually some criticism that this this movie's not great, um, and I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying it's a lot of fun, and okay. uh, yeah, and it's definitely worth seeing. I think probably on a big screen because there's a lot of action, and if you have distractions at home. Um, I don't think you're going to get the whole impact. There's a few things I liked about it. Uh, there's some fun cameos with uh, Channing Tatum is, is a fun cameo and Ryan Reynolds as well. A um, couple things I didn't like about it. Michael Shannon, I don't particularly like this actor. So obviously I, I wouldn't like him here anyway. That's that's an unfair thing to say. But yet that's my that's my visceral disconnect with this one. <laughs> and there's also a very distracting Sandra Bullock uh character towards the end uh, it's not a spoiler to mention she's in it but it is i don't know it's just to me it was distracting i, I didn't think very much of it um and then you know some of the characters because it's an ensemble and you have to sort of service all of these different characters some of them on the train in the various cars you know they're sort of everybody has their backstory some of them are well developed and a couple just kind of come out of nowhere and they leave just as fast but it's basically a, a ton of assassins and other near duels that are that are brought together for for seemingly different reasons but but it does all kind of come together and as i said the opinions on this have been all over the place um mine is as i as i say a lot of times not a great film but it would be a great time you'll have a lot of fun it's a fun movie um the other one i wanted to talk well, about well i was just gonna just by the end when i saw what film did i go to see in the theater recently oh the maverick film mm-hmm and the posters were outside the, the theater for Bullet Train. And my initial reaction was, oh, no, they remade the Super Train movie from the 70s. Remember how bad that one was? Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's a, it's, there's bad films. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I, I don't think <laughs> that the was trailer, the case <laughs> The trailer looked, kind of, as you pointed out, the trailer looked like it would be a fun film. A yeah, lot I, different than Super Train. Yeah, and and there, there were some places here where I might I might even use the term things seem like they were maybe overproduced and you know some some fight scenes seem to defy the laws of physics and uh, and and anatomy for that matter. <laughs> but but other than that, I think it was a fun time and yeah, it's it's worth checking out. Um, the other one that I wanted to zoom in a little deeper on because it's it happens to be an area that I'm that I like a lot. It's a documentary called Mister Candid Camera. Um, and uh, it is about, obviously, uh, those of us of a certain age would recognize Alan Funt, who uh, Alan, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, Andy who, who who basically pioneered, you know, the hidden microphone, hidden camera kind of thing, uh, long before the Jamie Kennedy experiment and Ashton Kutcher's Punked, and I might even say even before something like Borat. Um, you know, you had Alan Funt out there just catching, what, what was the, the tagline? People caught being themselves was yes. the tagline. Um, so what I would say about this documentary is obviously it, I've got a soft spot in my heart for things like this. I grew up on TV and these are some of the shows I remember seeing in reruns. And uh, in it, we see classic candid camera 
pranks, right? Some somebody goes bowling, and just as the ball's about to hit the pins, all the pins move out of the way. It's almost it's almost animated, right? Uh, there's a guy in a trampoline, and you know, there's uh, just a woman on the phone watching him, and he leaps up through the ceiling. You know, th- that kind of thing never comes down. By the way, um, somebody buys something at an automat, right? And the the donut gets yanked back. You know, th- just silly things like that. Oh, yeah. I suppose. Um, but there's something something organic about these pranks, something innocent, they're not overproduced, um, they're family friendly. And in some cases, it's not, I think what Funt himself would say, the, the laughs don't really come from the fun of the prank as much as they come from the victim's reaction, right? Their surprise, right? Um, that they were, that they the were camera. Pranked. Yeah, can of camera. Um, <laughs> We we learn in fact that uh, what what was candid camera began even before the heyday of TV as candid microphone. So funded some 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 shorts with the microphone before that uh, came to TV. I guess primarily in the uh, '60s, I suppose uh, early '70s is probably when when some of us remember it still hanging on. Um, there were a few attempts at rebooting it. I don't think they ever really took off. Um, and a couple of good good fun uh, interviews with people. Carol Burnett, who was herself on the show a couple times. Uh, Howie Mandel, who was not on the show. Not really sure why they uh, used him. Maybe he was the one who responded to the email looking for him. <laughs> I don't know. He he seems out of place. Uh, but some of the some of the better better clips of celebrities are actually in the film with Funt talking to him. So uh, Alan Funt kind of punked Muhammad Ali, um, and then there was a little uh, cameo of Paul Newman talking about um, Funt's place in Americana. But the Ali thing was interesting because they had a dialogue about you know how how many people benefit from Ali watching him fight uh, the overcome the things he did and Funt seemed like he was genuinely you know sincere and uh, that you know what he's doing wasn't as important so there's a little brief little dialogue of Ali saying you know you're kidding me right I mean every week we all watch the show I mean it's 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 hard to remember or it's hard to imagine unless you were there how popular that show was um, well so- it became it became so much part of our culture back then too because if something happened to you it was always the good joke to look around for the cameras. Where's, yeah, where's the hidden camera? It's got to be here somewhere. Where's the kid in the camera? Now, I, I like to think that, and I'll use the term jump the shark, but in 1970, uh, Funt came out with a movie called What Do You Say to a Naked Lady? I'm not sure if that's... Um, and it was basically an X-rated version of people oh, uh, really? caught being themselves when some naked person walks by. <laughs> it was just—it was just that simple, you know, getting off the elevator, things like that. I hadn't, and I have not seen well, the movie, but it always looked like maybe they went too far. However, um, I guess one of the reviewers at the time said. Um, they expected a peep show. In other words, they they kind of oversold the naked part. There was only a few, a few, uh, a few of uh, incidents of that. Uh, they said they expected a peep show. Instead, they found it to be, and, and I love this line, a fresh look at stale attitudes. So that's <laughs> not as family friendly as the show. But oh, okay, yeah, I imagine. Well, here's the, now that now that I think about that, maybe we can blame Alan for the phenomena that happened shortly after the early seventies, the streaking thing. Um, well, the streaking thing, I, I know that, um, yeah, okay, well, I'll leave my comment. David Niven made a okay. comment at the Academy. Well, will... but, 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 but there's one more thing we have to talk, uh, talk about with Alan Funt. The movie, the movie 
excuse me, the documentary says one thing very significant, that in 1969, Alan Funt was on a plane with his wife and daughter, and the plane was hijacked to Cuba. It actually wow. happened. And the, the thing about it was, he said that the passengers were oscillating between f- fright and disbelief. And they thought that it, because they saw Funt on it, they thought that it was a prank. They thought that it was one of his pranks. Now you would say, why is that? Well, first of all, the show was ubiquitous, right? Um, when you saw Alan Font, you knew something was up. The other thing was, and this is what this was amazed me. This was in 1969. At the time, Font's plane was hijacked, and, and he did you know, land up in Cuba, and then he was brought back to Miami. This was the 12th hijack of 1969. Are you ready for this? That was in February. Oh, wow. 12 hijacks and even in February. I think the total was 34 flights were hijacked to Cuba in 1969. That was the peak year. So that, that too was something that seemed to happen almost all the time. Another That's plane amazing. was hijacked. It's, it's hard to imagine that, that, that time. I mean, I remember seeing things in Mad Magazine, you know, this, uh, somebody was trying to hijack a Greyhound bus to Cuba. You know what I mean? It, right. that, became, that became almost, almost as ubiquitous as, as the show. So I just thought that was an interesting thing. At the end of the day, I think this, this, this documentary is probably going to have limited appeal, you know, to people yep. familiar with the show. But I, but I think if you were familiar with the show or the concept, or you're a fan of some of these other, you know, hidden camera type prank shows. And, you know, you got to tip your hat, pay homage and, and appreciate where that all came from. All right. We have to take our break for news. We will continue with more of the MedCityMovieGuy.com. Chris McSannick after the break. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. For eligible individuals, 18 and older only, results vary. Audio effects do not sit. Rochester Today. And today, one of my favorite days of the month, MedCityMovieGuy.com, Chris McSannick with me. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Yeah, I would say next to payday, this is also my favorite day of the month. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I thought, you know, we talked about a couple things that are available now. Uh, the candy camera film, we, we neglected to say the documentary was a, one of those streaming type things where you'll find it on your favorite service. Um, but I also want to mention a couple things that were coming up um, this month, for instance, um, there's a, a reboot of the Chevy Chase film Fletch. This oh, one's oh, called really? Confess Fletch. And uh, I, I mentioned it because I'm, uh, my wife and I are, are pretty big fans of the original. We watched it, matter of fact, about two weeks ago. And it, I think it holds up. There's just some really witty you know, banter oh, yeah. going back and forth and, and that. And so in this case, uh, the investigative journalist, uh, Fletch, is a um, – well, I guess he gets framed for murder or something like that. But the uh, uh, taking over the role is John Hamm, who uh, who was uh, classic in Mad Men, but he's been yep. in a, he's had smaller roles in a lot of other films, and I think he's just you know he's he's surviving being typecast. He's more than surviving. We've seen him on the uh, car insurance commercials <laughs> with Flo and Oh, they're horrible. They're horrible. Oh, but you know they they you remember them. You remember them. That's um, true. Another film that's coming up is uh, Rob Zombie is uh, redoing the uh, the monsters, and uh, <laughs> I've actually heard some good things about this. Uh, apparently. 
Apparently, Tim Burton's also rebooting, uh, doing some Adams Family stuff. But the uh, the Munster seems like it's more of a relationship film between Herman and Lily. So uh, I'm actually, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually looking forward to that. I love uh, that TV show. That was among my favorites when I was a kid. I I, I loved it because um, I was a big fan of the Universal. Um, Studios, uh, monster films, to, you know, the Bela Lugosi, Dracula, Karloff as Frankenstein and whatnot. And plus, I think the other thing that really worked with that show is it was in black and white, just like the Universal films. And I think that that I think that made a big difference in keeping it somewhat timeless. Um, when they did the movies in color, I was not as big of a fan. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun time. Well, uh, along that line, I don't know. I, I, it popped in my head what we were talking about. I think about that time period where you had the monsters, you had the Adams family, you had dark shadows, you had uh, that genre was extraordinarily popular for a long time there. Yeah. And now, you know, now we're seeing reboots of a lot of vampire type stuff that was popular with, with, uh, anyway, also coming up is, um, uh, I mentioned this briefly last time, the oh, the, Al Yank, the weird Al Yankovic story. Um, and I said what's significant about that is that uh, Daniel Radcliffe, it's kind of a big name, right? He was a Harry Potter, um, is starring in it. Uh, apparently, Rain Wilson was in the office uh, and Weird Al himself is in it as well. And I've heard that's going to be – well, I heard two things. One of them is it's on demand, but the other thing is I heard it's going to be on uh, the Roku channel. So that's – basically free uh, so that's also something believe it or not it just seems odd enough that they would make a a store you know a, a, a you know a biopic about weird al so i'm kind of looking forward to that on the more well, serious note just the I, idea that oh, this guy this persona he created was so successful to me is fascinating it became the gold standard right i mean people had been doing song parodies but i mean he elevated it to an art form, right? I mean, he got, um, you know, when he did uh, a take on uh, Michael Jackson's Beat It, uh, whereas Michael Jackson had Eddie Van Halen for the guitar solo, he had, um, uh, who did he have? The guy who does uh, uh, rock and roll hoochie coo. Um, anyway, so. Rick, Rick. Rick Derringer. Um There you go. Yeah, so he had him and, and I mean, he, you know, didn't have to, but he always, you know, got permission and, <clears throat> Of course, the other thing I think that really made that work were the videos, right? So, if if you if you didn't have the late '80s uh, MTV videos, which really made Weird Al a star, I think it would be different. But we have, it is what it is. He still tours today. <clears throat> uh, the other film that I think is going to do pretty well, I think it's almost award season worthy is there's a movie called Till. It uh, comes out in October. It's basically the uh, Emmett Till story. Um, oh. So that if, if you've seen the trailer for that, that looks that looks pretty good. It's mostly, I think it's mostly about the mother trying to, I don't want to say get justice, but bring awareness about what, what, what happened, what's going on. And, you know, the whole idea of the open casket is very controversial at the time and would still be considered controversial, um, but, but also powerful. And here, here's, there's a trilogy of movies in 2022. One's already out, two are coming out. And I just wonder, is there enough room in 2022 for three Pinocchio films? No, no, that's what I say. So, um, one of them, I don't know if there's room for one. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you one of them we want. One of them is a maybe, and then there's a basically an animated version um, that's that's already out. Uh, the the two that are going to do really well. Uh, well, we'll see, right? But uh, the the first one sort of set the standard, right? So Disney 1940 did an animated version, Adventures of Pinocchio. The book, I didn't even, I, I just assumed it was a tale from hundreds of years ago. It was written in 1883. So oh. in 1940, that was a fairly recent thing. And it was Disney's second film um, after uh, Snow White. So in September, there's going to be uh, a live action version uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, famous, famous director. And um, it's uh, Tom Hanks's Geppetto. So, I mean, that's. You know that's inspired casting, <laughs> so that one that one will do well just because Tom Hanks seems to pick winners, right? Or he makes them winners. I, I don't know how you want to look at it. <laughs> and that that also has Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, and because it beats the other, this this next one I'm going to tell you about, I think it, there's going to be enough time for it to do well. And for in December, Guillermo del Toro, who does a lot of darker films, he did Nightmare Alley, he did that very well. He's doing a version of Pinocchio, which is a animated film, um, and I, I that one I think is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be just dark enough. Um, I'm looking forward to the the whale scene myself. I just think that's going to do really well, and that's apparently going right to Netflix. So that'll be that'll be a good deal for everybody uh, in December. And I didn't mention, I think I might have mentioned this last time, but, and I don't have a release date for this, but Joaquin Phoenix is uh, filming, and it was supposed to be this year, uh, Napoleon. I don't think we've oh. seen Napoleon oh. in a lot of, um, a lot of, and I was trying to look back and say, other than just mocking him for having his hand in his uh, vest there, I don't think I've seen much of Napoleon in films. So I think that'll actually be. I think that'll be that's that's piquing my curiosity. Yeah, I like a good historical film. Yeah, when they're done well or dramatization. So that's what we have to look forward. I hate to say it, this fall. My goodness, we're almost to this fall. We are almost to this fall. That's true. <laughs> the summer movie season has already passed us by. Well, we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll continue chatting about the movies. Super. Super. The Med City Movie Guy, Chris McSannick, with us this morning. I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. I'm James. Movie Guy, I forgot this last time, dot com. Chris McSannick with us. I, I'm Andy Brownell, and it is News Talk 1340. KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Chris, what do you want to Well, so I wanted, to, I wanted to do this new segment, which I don't know, maybe we'll do it every year, but it's called Scene in Minnesota, S-C-E-N-E. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll do it as often as I guess we can or if, if we have the opportunity. Um, the, the first one is, uh, I want to mention, there's, there's three things I'll mention. The first one is, uh, as, as a lot of people know, is uh, Gerard Butler, who's a very popular uh, film star has been uh, out and about in uh, Rochester, and a lot of people really didn't know why. I mean, I think it's great. You know, a lot of people are in town, but they don't necessarily have a big presence, right? Because whatever business they're conducting or or whatever health issues they're dealing with, they do it privately. But uh, he's been seen around town quite a bit. Um, yeah. 
Butler Butler is a advocate of a of a group that my wife sponsors is called Mary's Meals, and if you're not familiar, it's uh, it's just one of these opportunities for people to donate uh, to a great organization that feeds a lot of people, feeds feeds them all over the world. And uh, we were watching a documentary on it, and he he showed up because his mother is an advocate for this group as well. So he he did a uh, he did a spot on the. Uh, on the promotional film. And I was afraid to hear that maybe he was in town because perhaps his mother was older, uh, might've, might've been having uh, a tough time health wise. And, and I'm happy to, happy to hear that's not why he was in town. He was in town. You, you, you were telling me because a good friend of his was also in town. That's apparently this, uh, pop music, I guess, play actor and, um, recording artist uh, out of Great Britain, a Scottish singer. Sad story. We don't know what happened. Um, Darius Campbell Dinesh, um, he passed away. And uh, the backstory on that is we have since learned that Gerard Butler and he were great friends. Whether or not, we still don't know why either one of them was here in Rochester, but uh, they both apparently were very about town. Uh, the folks that I know who ran into Butler after this man's demise recognized him as the person that Butler was hanging out with uh, when he was downtown. Now, mm. Butler was also at the county fair and some other places. Uh, and uh, the people I've spoken to who did run into him said, just great guy, super nice person. Uh, they were very impressed. But yeah, he's uh, obviously a sad aspect to this story. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that part. That's... He seemed like a pretty decent, decent guy. Uh, another thing I think we just learned the other day was that the uh, Michael York, the actor, yeah. is coming coming to town or living in town or has been to town. Uh, what is it called? Am- Amyloid Isis is. Yeah, he, uh, he's a Rochester resident now. Yeah, um, I'm not even. I can't even get my arms around that one. <laughs> I, I, my, you know, when I think of Michael York, all I can think of is Austin Powers. Austin Powers, sure. I mean, I'm sure that's not what he would like you to think of. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, sure. He's a, he's a very, very popular actor. And um, uh, yeah, he's got a very, very legendary career. Um, and uh, I, well, he's he's in the right place, right? If he's having having some health issues. Um, so we're, we're glad to well, have him. Well, my understanding is he's been a regular visitor because of the Mayo Clinic and his condition. Yeah. Yeah, but to, to, to make, to move, right? To get up and move is... Uh, um, into uh, into our winters, right? Yeah, Minnesota winters. <laughs> that's, that that's a bold thing. That's a bold thing. Um, the other one that's coming to town, uh, up in the Twin Cities, though, is uh, Brendan Fraser. Apparently, is announced he's uh, going to be the uh, one of the celebrity guests at one of the Comic Con things up there at the uh, convention center. I'm not sure if you have any favorite Brendan Fraser films. Um, Oh, he's been in so many films. He's been in a lot, but they, but but again, they 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 might not all, all be noteworthy. For me, the two favorite Brendan Fraser films are The Mummy, nineteen ninety nine, which sure. I think, as again, as a as a big fan of of uh, Universal films, uh, the bar for me is is a little different. So there's a lot of vampire mummy Frankenstein movies I didn't care for, but that mummy movie that he did 
was, I mean, the, the effects, the story, the, just the right amount of humor. It, it was outstanding. Plus, one, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movies, but uh, one of the uh, characters in that movie went to the same high school as I did in uh, the Chicago area. So um, the character who he played, uh, Benny, he was sort of the, 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 the sleazy sidekick. Um, uh, the other Brendan Fraser film that's, again – it's one of the best. It's called Blast from the Past. It's oh a, yeah, it's a Actually, comedy. I think yeah, well, that's what I probably most associate him with is that film. Yeah, so Alicia Silverstone and uh, Christopher Walken's in it. Sissy Spacek, as a matter of fact. There's just, I think, some great casting and just a really neat film. And also, speaking of which, he was going to be in Batgirl, <laughs> which was unreleased. So that was, <laughs> that's uh, that's noteworthy. And and I think the final. The final scene in Minnesota, which uh, you just told me about, was the uh, one of the next to last episodes of Better Call Saul. So yes. um, I don't I don't know whether Bob Odenkirk is in the scene or is he is. You, oh, he is actually in the scene. OK, so so fans of the show or Breaking Bad, either one of the two or, or some of the other things he's been in. Um, w- m- might have heard that. Uh, I think it was within the last year or so he had a, uh, uh, a heart attack. And uh, he had been um, uh, recuperating, I suppose, for a while. And I think you, you were saying the speculation might be that while that was occurring, they were looking for a place that had a lot of cold and snow. Is that the deal? <laughs> I have no idea. It, it's so okay. random. It's okay. one of those. It's maybe 20 seconds long and it's probably not even necessary. It's kind of a neat little quirky part of the show. And the show is quirky. So that... That would be a good part of it. He's he's singing the old, um, what is it? The tide is high. Is that? Oh, is it the Blondie song? The Blondie song. That's what I'm wow. thinking of. Okay. As he's well, driving along North Broadway. All right. Well, and, and uh, I and I'm an avid fan of this show. I watched it from the very beginning. I think it's better than Breaking Bad for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I watched that segment when it was on, and I didn't catch it at all. Because you're so focused on him being the central part of the screen. They don't realize that your hometown is right there. Place you drive through all the time is right there on the big screen. It's strange. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned offline, speaking of hometown, or I have a personal connection to Odenkirk. I, I met him, but also, I guess one step removed, he attended the same improv workshop that my wife and I did in Chicago. Uh, it's associated with the second city. And uh, he, I think he was, he was two years before me. Um, so it was kind of fun to mention that when I, when I saw him at one of the award shows a couple of years back. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, so the final episode just dropped uh, last week, I think. And um, the other thing is all the news points to he's had a complete recovery. So we're all, we're all pretty happy about that. They sure so, are. Yeah. Um, finally, I got a quick quiz for you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> Quizzes. <laughs> there's. There's. It's. That's all it is. It's just. It's just one or the other. Uh, I'm going to tell you two news stories, and you, you're going to tell me which one's true and which one's false. Uh, the first one is um, that the uh, there was a, a animated movie. Uh, within the last maybe month and a half, it's called Minions: The Rise of Gru. Uh, this is uh, uh, 
basically, I think Despicable Me, I, I guess I would say sure. these are sort of the breakout characters. Um, and they're, uh, according to this story, that mostly male teenagers have been showing up to see the movie dressed in extravagant suits. And because of this, they had been accused of disrupting the movie and they've been banned. So you can't wear a tuxedo to see this movie. Okay, that's one story. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. The other story is that the FBI raided Nicolas Cage's home after a tip that he has the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the first one being true. Okay, the first one is true. Second one is from the Babylon Bee, but it's also pretty funny. It's pretty good, yeah. I it could it. be true, because the thing is it could be true. Uh, so apparently... Uh, I don't know. This is one of those sort of TikTok video things that uh, a bunch of teenagers just started dressing up. They called themselves gentlemanians, like gentlemen, gentlemanians. They dress up and they they bring things, bananas, for example, and then they were apparently throwing them at the screen. And one of the couple of theaters were saying that they've been suffering massive financial impact uh, because they had to give refunds for other people who are complaining about it. So wow. Well, I think fun. they're trying to create the next generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show. I, you know what? That is exactly what I thought. And, and I thought, oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, That's what we need. Well, we sometimes need. Uh, the truth is uh, stranger than fiction, and that is one of them. That is for sure. We do have to run, though. The clock tells me we ran out of time way too quickly. Well, okay. So until next month, I guess. Correct. Correct. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you being on again and always enjoy it. Yes, yes. Visit the website, themedcitymovieguy.com. It's Chris McSannick. I'm Andy Brownell, and this has been Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9. Almost 3 million people use Navaj to breathe better.